0: of you who fight well, you will find yourselves on the path to becoming international secret agents, in other words, Psychonauts! The rest of you
1: will die!
0: (laughs) Oh, Mori.
1: Children, you are not going to die. Nothing ever happens.
0: Yeah, Dogen, Lily's right. You don't got nothing to worry about. Except for that giant monster in the lake I was telling you about. Bobby Zilch! I told you to stop scaring people with that ridiculous old legend. I don't want the kids to be afraid to go out at night and walk alone on the perfectly safe paths of Whispering Rock psychic summer camp. And we don't want to scare our special guests, Superstar Psychonauts Sasha Nine and Mia Vodello. Hi, and welcome to Seriously Pointless Conversations About Culture, your Seriously Pointless podcast about all your nerdy and geek things. And today, I have James with me again. How you doing, James? I'm
1: doing pretty good. How are you today?
0: I'm doing great. Um, So, today, guys... Uh, before we kind of get into uh, a little bit more of our what we've been up to and things like that, uh, I'm gonna give you tell you what I was told last time that I need to make it perfectly clear what we're going over <laughs> in, in each episode. Today we're gonna be uh, going over cyclonauts. is one of James's favorite games, from what I've been told. Um, I remember it a little bit. Um, uh, I've only played through it once, so I'm gonna be kind of on the little bit, maybe on the back burner of this. Reading a lot more notes than I normally do. But uh, before we before we jump into the deep, and what have you been up to, man.
1: Oh, not much. Trying to keep the head above water. Um, <sighs> I know. IRL things are hard right now. So. That's that is very true. <laughs> it's a good time to talk about video games. I know, and
0: like I said, if um, I just want to put a shout out there for anybody that's having a tough time. Uh, seriously, I know everything is kind of getting gloom and doom and gloom a little bit with all the pandemic stuff, kind of kicking back up again. Because we're gonna recording this is probably middle of November. Um, if if things are just getting rough, reach out to somebody. Just talk to somebody that's that's the biggest thing we want to say that we just want to make a quick little psa for that don't don't think you have to go through this alone even if you just want to talk to us on facebook like i said we're we're there that's the whole point of the community is to help each other out and have a little mental health health sometimes you know work mm-hmm. on it so and speaking of that getting a little mental health um i know you've been saying you're just a little bit above water i know keeping my mental health in order i've been playing a ton of video games and, yes. and just trying to absorb information i've been doing i've been playing um i know since we talked about Ori in the blind forest a while back um you uh got me uh in the will o wisp
1: and i've actually been playing it quite a bit I, I actually ground through and finished that one last week. Too. And so you told me, you did you 100% it and get all the collectibles? I got all the collectibles. I didn't do all the achievements because there's some for like doing it in hard mode and doing it hardcore and everything, but I, did, I got all the collectibles I know. and I explored the whole map. So I just... About 15 I, hours to finish it, so it's not a long game, i it's a lot of fun.
0: I think I'm about seven and a half in, maybe? I think that's about I'm about at. Mm-hmm. And I've really, And I've just gotten past, I got past the water wheel, uh, mm-hmm. getting the waters going. Um, talk to the giant toad.
1: That's when the game opens up once you finish the water section. That's
0: kind of what I figured because I was kind of noticing a lot of that stuff is, is hidden because you can't go into the water and things like that. But I just ran into my first um, combat like <laughs> rune, I guess you'd call it, or combat area where you have to like combat trial. That's what it's yeah. called. As I just did that, and I was just like, I actually sat there and I played for a good like 15 minutes because I died a couple times, and I'm like, I'm like this is kind of infuriating a little bit <laughs> because it's it's hard enough to where it's like I kind of have to pay attention to what I'm doing, and you and you it really makes you focus on those mechanics a little oh, bit more. Buy so. this
1: Spirit Smash Room, the one with the giant. Hammer, I do have it, yeah. Much much easier than the. Whole oh sword my sweet like. Jesus, dude! It's
0: <laughs> it's so much better, dude! So much so much more damage against some of those spinny little uh, crab things or whatever they're called. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what there are, but I'm yeah. also
1: getting close to level 60 classic wow i know it's a year after the game came out but i'm getting close
0: finally this is my shame face Got to 55. I, I know <laughs> nobody can see me but it's my shame face i'm shaking it out but you know hey it, it's your poison enjoy it's it, all i gotta say
1: I, I will continue to drink my poison
0: that's that's right um other things i've been up to i've been reading um a little bit of dragon ball the original comic uh oh,
1: it's so good isn't it's
0: it? super raunchy it,
1: you know i it took me an embarrassingly long time to realize this is an adult comic it really like, is. You, as a kid, you we I don't know about you, but we got started on Dragon Ball Z when it was you know the show right after Power Rangers yeah. died. There was Dragon Ball Z.
0: Which, plug on that, uh, if you guys haven't watched, uh, whenever we're recording this, our Dragon Ball Z episode is dropping mm-hmm. today, which is November 16th, so <laughs> go listen to that one if you haven't listened already. But yeah. But yeah,
1: then we got into Dragon Ball, and I remember watching some of the old, like, pre-Funimation dubs of Dragon Ball I found somewhere or another. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know how much we can say on this podcast. So,
0: but... the, the greatest part, I remember Jackie telling me about it, it, was the Vegeta shirt, where it says bad, it says he says, it says, like, badass, but in, mm-hmm. like, just, like, in, in the American version, says bad guy. Bad guy. <laughs>
1: I'm like, what's. This? or like the original Dragon Ball dub like there's a whole plot line involving a pair of girls underwear uh yeah like there's a so, serious plot issue where Goku can't tell the difference between guys so and girls they, it's, they're, it's a raunchy adult comic it's exactly. hilarious exactly
0: so I've gotten to that point I'm about halfway through the first like it's a mm-hmm. it's a triple volume is what it is yeah and I can show you later but um it's it's legitimately a part in there where he's like he's never been around women and mm-hmm. he's just like okay so yeah she's she's it looks a little different you know whatever well there's a part where she's asleep and she's just wearing like a shirt and underwear and he's just like i'm gonna go lay on her on her uh on her on her um pillows which he, he calls it yeah. gra- like, like grandpa's pillow and he's just obviously talking about her crotch yep and then when he lays on it he's like wow this is a lot feels a lot different than grandpa's pillow and then he like takes off her underwear and and he freaks out. It's it's pretty bad. I was like, are you serious? <laughs> this is supposed to... I was like, I've, you remember watching the TV show and it's obviously a
1: kid's show. Exactly. Because Dragon Ball Z was built as a kid's show but Dragon Ball is for adults.
0: It's, absolutely for adults and i was just like this you know, is in so bad
1: 30s, it's hilarious but
0: <laughs> you're when you're a teenager you're just like it was not right not, not right at all. i didn't
1: understand that some of the jokes were supposed to be about and it wasn't <laughs> it's it's yeah it's so wrong but yeah
0: it's it was good i've enjoyed that so far but um i know we kind of vented a little bit our event and we've kind of sidetracked ourselves a little bit on that but that's kind of what i've been up to so i would seriously recommend um I don't know if you have a, a public library card here, but they have all the volumes. So if you Ooh. if you get bored, um, it's 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 always good. I've actually kind of like thought about just going out and straight up buying them if I can find them online somewhere. Because
1: Unfortunately, I think I'm in the other county, which doesn't have nearly as good of a library. It happens. Yeah. Oh well.
0: You can pay like I think it's like ten bucks for a year. Or something like that. Well, maybe I do that. I'm, I'm, I'm just throwing it out there, but yeah. yeah. Also, another thing. Plug, plug again. Uh, support your little po- local public libraries. They're great resources, guys. Um, I don't know how many times I found stuff that I just would never have found otherwise. But, uh, anyways, let's get into the episode. So today we are actually talking, like I said, about Psychonauts, um, which is a Double Fine production. You want to tell me a little bit about Double Fine, James?
1: Okay, Uh, Double Fine is an interesting company. It was uh, started by Tim Schafer and some of his colleagues right after he left LucasArts. so.
0: So if you guys aren't familiar with LucasArts, that is the gaming studio from the Star Wars creator George Lucas.
1: Yes, and this is the company he started, and you're probably familiar with LucasArts Films, but back in the day they were a game company as well. Yep. And they made a lot of kooky adventure games. Monkey Island. Monkey Island, Dave the Tentacle. Oh my gosh, so good. Um, what were some other ones? A lot ones? of uh, point and click games. A lot of point and click adventure games. And Tim Schafer was, originally got recruited through college actually. He went mm-hmm. to a course for someone who worked for LucasArts. And he got recruited in their studio, started as a grunt and worked his way up to game designer. Yeah, as and they so always he's are. responsible for a lot of the biggest name things of the series and a lot of what we would call today experimental video games. Oh yeah, Some now of which stuff are very, very,
0: very commonplace <laughs> now. Which sometimes they've they've kind of evolved, you know, you know, evolved a little bit more. Like with the point and click games, you, you've kind of have the evolution, uh, kind of like with uh, Telltale games. Exactly. Exactly. But it's um, they definitely were almost very ground. I don't know if you've got if you've ever played Monkey Island at all.
1: I played a Monkey Island a little bit. and I also did a little bit of the Day of the Tentacle. I will confess I didn't make it through them because they are. Awfully strange.
0: (laughs) They are very strange. I liked Day of the Tentacle a lot more than I liked um, Monkey Island, to be honest with you. I
1: agree. It was funnier and less point and clicky. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought about it, too. But um, At so, the time, they were huge.
0: I know they're on Steam, so if you guys want to check those out, go out and check them out um, on Steam. I think
1: they were in a Humble Bundle at one point, too. They, yeah, they were. I think it's actually where I picked up the PC version of Psychonauts.
0: Also, guys, yeah, if you guys like great discounts on games and getting really good deals and also... So, Humble Bundle is... And I know they're not sponsoring us, but you can basically buy a collection or a, a bundle of games for a discounted price, and all that money will go to our specific charity or or something yeah. like that and they do like book bundles and all kinds of this video game bundles comic books all kinds of stuff so check them out check them out it's like Humble, humblebundle.com i think yeah, it's what it is i go there quite a bit
1: i check about once every week so yeah. um anyway so tim shaver worked for lucasarts yeah. about the year 2000 or so when lucasarts moved away from making good games to just seriously milking <laughs> the star wars franchise
0: yeah, i mean you gotta milk that cow man i mean
1: it has been a, a generous cow. I will say they've made uh, a lot that's of, right. of it. It is, She's basically golden at this point. And I do love Star Wars myself. I'm a fanboy. But Star Wars video games, aside from a few standout things like yeah. you know, Rogue Squadron and stuff. KOTOR. KOTOR. A lot of them are just hot garbage, and I'm sorry.
0: I don't know what you're talking about, sir. I love Empires at War. Anyway, <laughs> shall we say,
1: after developing creative <laughs> differences with, uh, with LucasArts... Tim Schafer and a bunch of his game designer buddies started up Double Fine Productions, and Psychonauts was their first product.
0: Which, that's that's been really interesting. That's very ambitious for him, because from what I was reading, he's never, at this point in his career, he had never done a 3D platformer, which is what Psychonauts was. He'd always done just point-and-click games. He'd
1: never done a 3D game before. Um, Like I said, most of the people that joined up with him were all game developers, so... None of them had any management experience per se or any experience running a company. No. And so for their very first game, what do they do? They sign a contract with Microsoft to develop a game for the Xbox.
0: Yep. And so this is around uh, two thousand and five, I believe, is when they were That's when it released. That's really they so it
1: started in two thousand. Oh my game god. Had a very well very long development cycle. So
0: one if if you guys start to look into a little bit, Double Fine has a history of long
1: developmental time. Yes, they're shall we say a boutique studio, which which is fine because and they always deliver something which is unique. At the very least, a very playable game, and at the very best, it's something like Psychonauts, which I will put down as one of my top. Exactly, they do some
0: weird things. Like I think they did, they do stacking and. No, they didn't do stacking. They did um There's the Halloween costume quest. Yeah. They
1: did Brutal Legends, which was like a heavy metal like adventure. Had a, uh,
0: um, who Jack Black was the main Jack character. Jack was in it, yeah. So I remember reading that like I said, it's it's very they had a wide range of success. Like I enjoyed Brutal Legend, but it wasn't like, oh my god, this is the greatest game ever. It was like very okay yeah i'm gonna go kill some things and, and that's like, kind
1: of how they are like their games are consistently worth playing if only because they're always way out there
0: exactly talk about a guy that's a a, a music a music a, a, con, a concert roadie mm-hmm. and gets sucked into another realm where he's like this super you know badass like yeah. metal star and like the the that's the how you like fight people is with metal the
1: power of rock the yes. power of rock and i'm just like
0: <laughs> who thinks of this stuff this is amazing so it was just kind of amazing like it was just awesome that they thought of these kinds of things and talking about that it's, well, it's
1: interestingly enough that's kind of where the idea for psychonauts came from exactly so when tim Schafer was working on um his like roadster game for lucas arts mm-hmm. he conceived of a sequence where the main character would go essentially on an acid trip yeah and have this big you know, dreamlike sequence fighting through his own demons and stuff. Well, it got cut from the game because it didn't really fit with the theme for that game.
0: Also, they're like, we're not going to put an M rating on this game (laughs) because that's definitely some drug use there. It did
1: get repurposed into Psychonauts, which in a lot of ways is an acid trip through the mind. Oh my god, yeah. It really is. But anyway, uh, Double Fine was a cool studio. They, um, shortly after they started producing this, they ran into a lot of issues during development, of course. It happens. Um, the dot-com bubble was involved. Like, initially, office space was at a huge premium, because I don't know if you guys remember, but in the early 2000s... If you're as old as we are, lots yes. Lots and lots of tech startups, so they actually started up in a warehouse of all things.
0: I mean, you had places like... Uh, what Was it GoDaddy and all these other like little website startups? And yeah. they eventually just all get gobbled up by these big tech companies that we have nowadays. Like yeah. you guys, some of these younger, if if you're younger, all you guys will know pretty much is Microsoft, Google, mm-hmm. Facebook, the the big the big conglomerates. Mm-hmm. But now it's like back then there were just a dime a dozen. We had like AOL and all kinds <laughs> of things. You know, it's
1: like nobody even knows who AOL is nowadays. Except for the except for those stallions of manliness who have AOL I'm gonna take have shingles that. on their walls. That's right. <laughs> I collect the disks. They've
0: they, they literally <laughs> just like I need new wallpaper. They just
1: put up <laughs> the disks. Would be great. And then their wives want to kill them. <laughs> That's great. For People who aren't as old as AOL used to mail out multiple disks a year to every yeah. household in America with their software. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah. Four free hours <laughs> of internet or whatever it was, or email or whatever it was, and yeah. you're just like. And then you just keep them, and you just keep using new ones over yeah. and over again. So anyway, this
1: game has a really long development cycle. It takes almost four and a half years yep. to develop. Um, part of the way through, Microsoft actually drops them as a developer. They said the game was too late and it was too expensive. This was in 2004. The preceding four years, you know, there was a lot of creative differences between developers, as there often is. Everyone leaves their big company to try and yeah, so- have creative freedom, and then they have to make a game that actually makes sense.
0: Exactly, so we're kind of reading off that a little bit. So I'm reading your notes. Um, so I just, uh, it's, I can kind of understand this a little bit. So you have a full uh, uh, 42 full-time developers mm-hmm. and additional contractors with a final budget of $11.5 for an independent game. Not an independent game, a, a boutique studio essentially for their first game working with Microsoft. That's a huge chunk of change for Microsoft to put you know their faith in and especially with that many people to have to pay.
1: Well, and that's the thing, and Microsoft dropped them, yeah. because it was late 2004, and they hadn't made a game yet, and yep. I don't know if you know your gaming history very well, but Microsoft was gearing up for the release of the 360 in 2005, yep. late 2005, and so they said, look, we're dropping anyone who's not delivering a game before the end of the year, mm-hmm. so now you have a new independent studio who has spent a tremendous amount of money, has no game,
0: is not getting paid for do. it.
1: So they, they limp themselves along with a loan from a buddy yep. and with their own internal funds, and they get picked up by another studio, which... What was the name of it? I can't remember. Uh,
0: I believe it was uh, 2005. is it? Um, Majesco? Yeah,
1: Majestico picks up the game.
0: Majesco Entertainment, yeah.
1: And over the next few months, they put an, an enormous crunch in. They yeah. Finished, they finish the game. They port it to PS2 and PC, which was not originally planned and it gets released
0: yeah i mean so that's that's a great synopsis
1: of like there are many many game studios that don't even make it to that point it's really a testament to the connections he had in the industry and so
0: i will i remember reading even a little bit afterwards so after um they got it ported to the ps2 um, that was, was
1: natively written for yeah ps2 was
0: and so they natively wrote it for the three sixty for, for the yeah, for Xbox. For Xbox. Mm-hmm. And then whenever they uh they they moved it over to the three sixty, I believe it was as Xbox or three sixty, I can remember. I think from. it was
1: just backwards compatible with the three sixty. I don't know they ever got a native release for the three sixty.
0: Um so I know I, I
1: played it on PS two originally, so I'm glad it came out for that.
0: Exactly. So what I remember reading a little bit more too though, so apparently it, even though it was critically well received, the sales were just not there whenever they came out on consoles. Yeah. And so it actually didn't get a lot of its success until after they ported it over to Steam.
1: You're absolutely right. I mean, the game, critically, was a huge success. Um, like, 88 score... 88 on Metacritic for its original Xbox. Oh, my and the God. The lowest score it got was 86. It got, like, an average of 8 or 9 on most of the gaming magazines. It had 4.5 stars. I mean, it was a critical acclaim.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And we'll talk about this more in a little bit. But the kooky storytelling, the really original characters, everyone oh my God yeah but i think for a lot of reasons it didn't do well uh, i think they sold less than 10,000 copies as well 100,000 copies it was never the yeah yeah and that was over the first you know, 10 years it was on the shelf i mean so from 2005 to 2014 it barely sold anything which
0: which that's that's not great for a studio that's invested so much money into it the that's company what,
1: the uh, company that took over the develop, took over the publishing of the game actually left the, the big game console market entirely yep. over this flop Yep. And um, eventually, Tim Schafer and his studio bought out the rights yep. to the game. Which was probably one of the smartest moves they've ever done. Mentioning Humble Bundle again, that's how they got the game back on the yep. market. They did a Tim Schafer Humble Bundle, and uh, Awareness for the game came back, and since then, they've sold like 1.2 million copies of the game.
0: It's quite a bit, yeah. They've,
1: they've way, way exceeded their original investment, but funnily enough, most of that was in the last five years, like more than 15 years after the game came out. It's... Really, a weird kind of success story,
0: which I guess that, that's that's great because um, it actually ended up working out in his favor in the end. Because I think Microsoft actually did end up, end up acquiring Double Fine at some point. Well, so
1: that's the that's the punchline for this: is twenty years <laughs> after the game came out, he yeah. actually started another company, I think called uh, Gig, or was it it's at the very bottom of that document? Let me look at the last line.
0: Yeah, he came um, out with something else. He started uh, a
1: crowdfunding company for production of video games by studios. Fig. Fig, that's it. He started Fig Studio and he crowdfunded Psychonauts 2. Yep. This was like in late 2014, 2015, whenever it had just taken off in popularity again. And he's been working on the sequel for the last five years, and like you said, Microsoft saw it coming and they bought out Double Fine Productions. Which I don't at blame the end them. Of all this,
0: because they know they saw it, they knew that he. So they know the unique mind that he has, and we'll kind of get into that how mm-hmm. how unique his mind is, especially with the plot of this this story, which is amazing. Um, mm-hmm. it, they they can see a creative person. That is going to make the money. And that's the thing is you have to find that balance. Is like, is it something that's going to interest enough people, and are they going to be able to make money off of it, too? Well,
1: and that's, I think, yeah. Speaking from Microsoft's perspective, there is a balance between proven IPs, Mm -hmm. something like making another Assassin's Creed game, something that you know is going to be popular and you know is going to sell. (laughs) And whether you're tired of it or not, it's a tried-and-true formula. Or to pick something you like, you know, how about a new Zelda game? Whatever. Okay. You can only make so many of the same things, so you need some people who are off the okay. wall. I will making break weird stuff.
0: I will break as many pots as I want. You cannot <laughs> stop me, okay? Because it's therapeutic, anyways.
1: Especially in Link to the Past, that little room that you unlock when you have the big gloves, where you can get like fifty year old. That's where it's at. Anyway. Speaking <laughs> of Ruby farming and
0: fifty year old video <laughs> I know that's the truth. God.
1: Anyway. You need the off-the-wall people who are making new stuff, mm-hmm. and a lot of it is not going to sink in. A lot of it's going to flop, but some of it's going to be the next big thing. And so, well, it's kind of like it is smart of Microsoft to acquire him.
0: It's almost kind of like they almost have the, the the concept of like you know, as opposed to a that's the difference between Microsoft and PS and PlayStation or Sony, if you would. They, it seems like Microsoft has very much the scattergun effect. Mm-hmm. We're going to shoot. At the target with a with a shotgun and see what sticks, as opposed to like Sony, they're like very precise and they're measured and exactly how they do things. And I think that's kind of it's just two different approaches to trying to figure out a problem. Almost
1: and dare I say that's the American versus the Japanese approach. To not lie, ro- I mean? It's not wrong.
0: <laughs> <But> <laughs> it's very much not wrong. But it's it's I, I don't know. It's just I I like it better because it you get these nice little niche games that sometimes don't make it you know commercially, but they're amazingly. Uh, successful critically you well, know yeah, and, I, and you might find it five six years down the road after it's been released kind of like this one
1: currently i like that because i'm i'm much more we talked about this before i'm a 3d platformer type fan i'm a platformer yes. fan things genres that shall we say have fallen out of favor in the last decade or so
0: they come back they all It'll come back.
1: it's actually starting to come back i think
0: which i dude because i don't know how about you are but i i have played quite a few like open world games mm-hmm. recently like i remember i finished up uh, both the, I did Assassin's Creed Origins, talking about Assassin's Creed. Finished Assassin's Creed Origins and Assassin's Creed um, Odyssey. Mm-hmm. I liked them both, but man, I just I get so burnt out about you know you go here, you kill this person, you collect this thing, and it's just like well, even I like
1: Black Flag, it's the best game they've put out in a long time. It's I true, but honestly,
0: was, awesome. was fun because the with some of the DLC they put in there, they mm-hmm. put like some of the mythological creatures in there, and I'm like, this is legit. Like I like this. Oh, cool. So, like, you, like, legit kill some Cyclopses and a couple Giants and Medusa and, mm-hmm. and the Minotaur. It, it's it's good stuff. Yeah. And they actually do um, some other little, like, backstory stuff, which I really wish they would have put that in there. But that's that's a whole other issue on the end. So, <laughs> if you want to talk about a game that I, I love, hate, that's definitely a good one to pick <laughs> to go into. um But, yeah, it's, it's definitely you kind of get kind of burnt out on things. And I think that's kind of why Double Fine hits these strides like... Like, during the 2005 era, there were so many 3D platformers.
1: I mean, this was what? Jack and Dexter was around. Crash Bandicoot oh was my still God. kicking around. The Mario series was hitting its big stride for 3 Absol- games. Absolutely, man. I mean, that was... There was more 3D... Donkey Kong 64 was hanging Huge. around. Huge. There were so many 3 There was, so mean, there 3D. was more than you could shake a stick at. And,
0: that's- and so to make yourself stand out... Well, was I hard really, i think
1: that's why it didn't stand out really in its initial release i mean some i played it and i loved it back in the day i got it when it originally came out mm-hmm. but you know it came out at the end of a console's life cycle which I is mean, hard to begin with it, it was released in march and the 360 hit in november so it came out less than six months after the console ended it's and not, people weren't wanting to buy games like you said it was one platform yeah. among many mm-hmm. And even though I think its story and its humor and everything were outstanding, it kind of got lost. Now, it's a testament that it came back and it's been so enduring. I think that kind of talks about the themes and stuff, which we're going to get to soon. Yeah. It it just worked.
0: Which, that's why I love it, because I think that's what really saved them, too, like I said earlier, is is the porting to multiple systems. But, like I said, it's on top of that, like I said, we're going to get into the the plot here in a little bit. Let's talk about the
1: plot now. What What do you think of the plot?
0: the plot is interesting and it's bizarre enough that I love it. So the way I've heard it uh, kind of like described as, and the way I really look at it is it looks mm-hmm. like a brighter colored, a brighter pixelated version uh, or brighter uh, colored version of Tim Burton. That's how, I, how <laughs> I look at it. Cause I love Tim Burton to begin with, but yeah. his it's always dark grays and whites and blacks. But with this, it's very, it's got that same kind of art style and the weird, bizarre movements yeah. But it's more colorful. Yeah, I like so, that.
1: So the game takes place in this place called Whispering Pines yep. Summer Camp, right? So yep. it has the usual kind of weird backstory. It's, uh, it's a summer camp built on the motherlode of this fictional element called titanium that gives things psychic power. Which is, so, yeah. <laughs> so there's, there's, there's psychic squirrels that play with you. There's a bear yep. that swamps. There's a tiger that sets you on fire. Yep. There's all kinds of weird stuff here. And so there was a town that mm-hmm. was built there. The town gets overloaded with crazy people. They build an asylum. Mm-hmm. And eventually the town gets shut down. The town yep. gets filled in and makes this big lake called Lake Oblongata. Yep. And the government sets up a training camp for psychic government agents here. Which are called? Psychonauts. That's right. That's the name of the title. Start so the young. main character's name is Rasputin with a Z. Yep. That's, that, was the, that was the two
0: early 2000s. Everything was cooler with a Z. Anyways. There's
1: actually a story behind that too. But anyway. <laughs> um, so the main character, of course, is a circus performer. Or he's the son of a circus performer. Yep. And he runs away from the circus to become a psychonaut. Which is
0: reverse of what you normally it's I run exactly. run away it, to the circus.
1: Yes, he ran away from the circus to a secret government training facility for children. <laughs> which, which is like complete opposite sense. it's
0: complete opposite. It's just like I'm gonna run away from like all the control to the circus where I can be free, and I'm gonna <laughs> run away from the circus where I can be like <laughs> have like You know, uh, you know, instructions and laws put down on me, like how I'm supposed to do things in the whole game.
1: He complains about how his dad, you know, made him do circus tricks, and you know, he doesn't even like it.
0: (laughs) But he's so good at it, so much fun to watch. It's hilarious.
1: So he he breaks into the summer camp, and you see him like at the opening campfire, where he like jumps in and announces he's going to be a psychonaut. So, what do they do? They tell him that he can't participate and he needs to wait for his parent to come pick him up.
0: Yep, like you know, everyone does. I love that's the kind of humor you get immediately. It's not like, oh, this kid might be the like the one, the great one, or whatever it is. This is annoying little shit that needs to leave. Exactly.
1: <laughs> It's like, yeah. It's like, look, we're going to let you do the basic training so you don't kill yourself while you're here, and then you're yep. done. You're going yep. for your dad, and we're going to go call him now.
0: <laughs> yep. And it's just like, what? What? For seriously? But, like, so I remember, like, in the in the process, like, as he's waiting, you kind of meet the bad guy, the whole thing.
1: Yeah. So you, you start the training camp thing, and it's, yep. it's Coach Oleander. He's this yep. short, big guy who's, like, your stereotypical, I got shocked go. in the world. Let's wart. go, grunts! Exactly. And he, he has you jump into his mind, which is kind of the central conceit of the game.
0: Yeah, so all the levels are based on, like, when you meet certain characters, because um, this is what I remember vividly about and I'm loving about it, the yeah. levels are not the hub. So the, the, the camp is the hub world.
1: And it's it's you could call it open world is kind of what you'd call yeah. it now. It's not as big as what you normally call no, a world no, no, no. game. But it's typical but, of these adventure games. But for the
0: time frame, for the time period there was very it was very big open area that you could you could go around and, and explore and there was a lot of things you could do while you were there in the camp but mm-hmm. to do each of these levels you literally had to go to certain people and go into their minds which yeah. these were the actual levels mm-hmm. which that's what's really bizarre and also amazing about this yeah. game is each person that you talk to has some sort of like they I guess they would how do you describe it? it's not a mental illness. They have like a...
1: It's a mental world. It based it's based on their personalities.
0: World. And their personalities and their their flaws and yeah. other things like that. So you and go so into Coach like Oleander has yeah.
1: like this shell shocked, you know, bombs are falling everywhere, type yep. military hellscape. There's um uh what's the name of the girl?
0: Uh you talking about the, the main uh camp I can't remember. Camp instructor. Yeah, it's yeah, I'm have there's to look it Uh
1: a hippie-ish camp instructor. She's the one that teaches the levitation skill. And her mind is this giant dance party. Is it Agent 9 is her name? Uh, Agent 9 is... He's the restrained, like, suffering artist type. Oh, it's right? the guy
0: with the sunglasses. That's right, okay. No, Agent
1: 9 was the best because he's the one that teaches you how to... How Vodello? Best- yeah, Vodello, that's it. Yeah, that's her name. No, Agent 9 is one of my favorite moments in the whole game, though. Because... After you finish Coach Oleander's basic braining, you discover this underlying plot of the, of the game, which you mentioned, is there's this shadowy villain who's trying to suck the kid's brains out to make military weapons. But
0: you know what his profession is? Dentist. That's <laughs> right. The worst kind of doctor.
1: <laughs> but Agent Nine asked you to come join him to look into this stuff that mm-hmm. you found out, and he teaches you how to blast things with your mind to destroy them. That's right. And he starts by drawing you into this mind, which is this perfectly disciplined and controlled cube, yeah. And so he makes this comment like, oh, we need to find something worth destroying, and he presses a button, and this little, like, hippie lamp, you know, you know the old hippie lamps where yeah. it's like, you know it's got the multicolored glass, and his yeah. first reaction, he looks at it and goes, oh, oh, it's so terrible, it must be destroyed. And,
0: he's <laughs> <messing>. <laughs> and if you've seen, like, if you don't know if has like, seen, if you go into, like, if you play the game and you see the level, it's literally black and white on a cube, and it's very like it's like like a locked box almost, and he's like curious, I mean. and it's nothing comes out. And if it's not black and white, he doesn't like it. I've noticed that. <laughs> it's no shades of gray, or anything like that in the in the in his little level. But it's like, said, yes, I remember that now. Yeah. When you say that, I'm just like, oh. like he's just he's just yeah. He's a very. But everyone has that unique personality. That's one of the things you start to notice with This. And if you start going into the game a little bit more, that each person, each character, even the other kids that are in the in the in the camp, they all have their own personalities and stories.
1: Well, it's a funny thing. Do you know how they came up with all that? No. It's a funny thing. So what Tim Schafer actually did to help introduce these characters to the team and to help flesh them out? Yeah. He got on a social media site and he made a page for every single character. That's There's cool. The, the exact site's been lost to time. It's one of those flash in the pan things. But yeah, but he made a social media site for each person. That is really
0: cool. <laughs> I would never have thought that. That is that is something that's very Tim Shafer thing to do. Like he just he would make them and just pretend to be that person. Well,
1: cause all the characters are super well fleshed out. Even oh my Even like God. the little bit characters that tell you jokes, that say like, jokes and stuff. Like the like
0: even just like the the bully the. That ends up falling in love with one of the like the crazy looking alien girl that's in there. Mm-hmm. The two twin, the cheerleading twins that try to poison the camp.
1: Yes, like
0: you don't even really have a conversation <laughs> with them other than like a little bit of part of their story. It's like a side quest almost yeah. that you or do. There's
1: Duncan, the little kid who wears a tinfoil hat so his psychic powers don't make heads explode. That's exactly. Right. I remember that part.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that. Was, oh, he was a little fat, pudgy little kid. You know, and yeah, yeah. But but everybody has these little backstories that you can tell they put so much time and effort into thinking mm-hmm. about, even if it was just a single night of them getting drunk or mm-hmm. doing whatever substances they yeah. chose to do at the time <laughs> and having a good time and brainstorming, really. And you can just tell that they put a lot of love and care into that. and that's, oh, what yeah. I, that's one of the main things I loved about it, even though I may not have been a huge fan of all the platforming that they have in there, but I do—I truly did love the, the characters that they put in there. So,
1: mentioning the platforming, since we're on the topic, that's kind of the central thing of the game. It's a platformer. It's yeah. a 3D platformer, but it's a platformer. Yeah. And so, while the story and the characters are kind of the glue and the comedy that makes you keep yep. playing, the central gameplay loop is a, is a platforming game. Yeah. Uh, it has a couple of Metroidvania-style kind of gated power-ups, but that is the bad part of the game, I will say, is that... The platforming is a lot of fun. It's mm-hmm. very fluid, but the gameplay difficulty takes a weird spike.
0: Where so it's, things
1: you, are kind of easy until you get to, like, the halfway point in the game. Which is about
0: the asylum, I think is what it was. It gets,
1: and you get to the asylum, and things get a lot harder. Yeah. And... That's okay, still, and then you get to the last couple levels when you're at like the meat circus area. Yeah, and it's just ridiculous. And then ridiculous. things take a huge spike up in difficulty. Which
0: I think that's where I kind of because I remember playing that level that the meat the meat uh, circus is what I'm going to call it. Yeah. Uh, and I remember getting vividly angry because I'm like, this is n- it was not this hard like. 30 minutes ago. Why is it this hard now? It's been
1: a kooky, amusing, chill kind of game, and then you get to the end, and it's like, boom. (laughs)
0: Like, here's my... Big old dick and I'm gonna slap you with it, basically. It's just like and I'm just like, why, why why can't you just hold me by the hand a little bit or at least pat me on the butt and like shove me as I ride down the road on my bicycle? And it's like, can you do that for me?
1: And that and that I think is the weakest part of the game is the the difficulty doesn't have a nice smooth progression. It just yeah. kind of has a spot where it just gets really bad. And
0: which I can I can see that a little bit. I can understand it a little bit because obviously it's their first three D platforming game, but I feel like maybe they should have known that a little bit, being that they've played other games, mm-hmm. or made other games before, but I think that's also like one of the hindrances of being only kind of coming from the point-and-click realm a little bit. Mm-hmm. You don't really have a level, you don't really have a gameplay progression in point-and-click games. It's always the same pretty much throughout. And You might get a few extra little things throughout, but in in platformers it's almost necessary to have that slow progression to ease people into things or at of the
1: key platformers you start with one or two mechanics you add more as you go and then by the time you get to maybe 20 percent of the way through the game you've introduced all your major mechanics and you have this kind of beautiful complexity of movement Mm -hmm. and yeah and that's just something which it just got really hard really quick and i think if they had been able to smooth out that difficulty a little bit it would have been better and
0: that could have been kind of one of those things where since that might have been one of the parts of the game where it's like later on in their development cycle that might have been the part where they're like oh my god microsoft just dropped us and we got picked up by this other publishing company we have to hurry up and kick this out and, and so, so they were just
1: happened is it just didn't get us play tested
0: and they were just like we're gonna rush this out as fast as we can because i want
1: to say like longfishopolis i want to say is where i started dying on a regular basis yeah and then yeah, by the time you get to the last the last stage or two,
0: that, that freaking meat tent. It meat was just the meat circus is just awful. With Especially
1: them. since the platforming goes up a notch and you have to escort someone at the same time. It gets pretty. Rough. I think it's
0: the escorting was what really pissed me off more. I did <laughs> anything, but I'm not a big escort mission fan. Honestly, that's just. I, anyways, I'm like I have a deep troubled past with that kind of stuff, but it annoys me to death. So
1: yeah, but what were some of your favorite parts of the game?
0: So my favorite parts of the game, obviously, just between going to so i had a deep affection for the um the security guard level the, uh the milkman level the milkman level so is, being as my profession is in law enforcement <laughs> it, it was just like this the insane amount of paranoia I, cuz i remember looking at it Looking back, and I kind of played it a little bit. I re-downloaded it the other I'm night. My milk
1: man, my milk is delicious.
0: <laughs> I know, and I'm just like, what? And like, but it's like, it's almost like whenever you go on there, you try to like almost fix his problem. Like, because when you go into everybody's mind, you try to at least maybe alleviate their issue a little
1: yeah. bit. except for like the training levels, yeah, you're always like trying to fix their problem, and then they. Yeah. And am unrelieved of their mental burdens, they help you in some way.
0: But, like, with the Milkman level, it was, like, it's his neighborhood, and everybody's, like, super paranoid watching you, everybody. but name do- is Boyd. It's Boyd. That's what it was. <laughs> and I couldn't remember what his name was. But you don't really help him. You almost unlock an additional, like, psychosis in yeah, him. because
1: that's the thing. Because you approach him when you're trying to break into this asylum, yeah. and he's actually the security guard. Mm-hmm. And so you start the level thinking, I'm going to break into this guy's mind, and we're going to get him to open this door for me, and it's going to be great. Yeah. And yeah, you start open the mind, you start the game, and I think you actually start in his house. Yes. And there's this giant network of like a conspiracy news clipping, like the full blown oh like my God, yeah. style thing laid on the wall. And it's all related to this mysterious milkman character.
0: <laughs> I know. And you're just like, who is the milkman guy? And it ends up being like, this is literally a part of his brain.
1: Yes. And as you play through the level, it's like this whole spy versus spy thing where there's these people there, yeah. and uh, they're holding objects. And so, so one person might be holding up a sign, and they say, I'm a road worker. I work on the road. And you can't cross into their little red ticker taped area yeah. unless you're also a quote-unquote road worker.
0: Yeah, which is that's why I love that kind of game. It's just like <laughs> they put little like roadblocks in there to for you for you to get around, and I love how they kind of do stuff like that. Yeah, but-
1: and like you play through the level... You eventually realize the Rainbow Girl Scouts are behind the conspiracy of, about the Milkman. Never
0: trust the Girl Scouts. And then you find Especially out the, Rainbow at the end that
1: Boyd is the Milkman. Yep. And the Rainbow Girl Scouts is his mind trying to protect himself from his own psychoses. Yep. And so you free him from this by defeating the, the Rainbow Scouts and then Boyd... Picks up his his six pack of explosive milk jugs and goes to destroy the asylum. Yep, and it's it's so great.
0: You're just like you're thinking to yourself. Did I just make an arsonist? <laughs> it's like
1: I think that's easily one of the most memorable levels. It
0: really was, and because I remember that's the one. The thing that really about about all the platforming stuff is like when you go to each of these levels, some of them are very flat and level things like that. But when you start to get to the the like you said, mm-hmm. once you get to that asylum area everything on the platforming really escalates and like i remember looking at his level and you can literally make a 90 degree turn or like a yeah, 90 degree turn. like if you are going down the road it's like, like boop and you just start walking up the wall
1: yeah gravity becomes subjective the map is like exploded out into these big networks. really
0: network. yeah they make it amazing
1: um i think after that another cool level not the funnest to play but a cool idea there's the fred bonaparte level
0: Oh, the little uh, Napoleon guy, yeah.
1: He's Napoleon's, uh, like, you know, descendant, and he's being haunted by the ghost of Napoleon. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. Um, I think one of the coolest ones artistically was, like, the black velvet level. I remember that one. The one where there's the bullfighter.
0: It's not ringing any bells. I don't remember that one. Sorry. It's like a
1: giant, like, Mexican black velvet thing, and you're going through in the story is that there's this character whose lady love is being attacked by the bull, and he's trying to figure out what happened to her.
0: Oh, I think I remember because there's like cobblestones and it's almost like, yeah, exactly. like New Madrid feeling. Exactly. And the bull like
1: rushes down the street every time. And by the end you find out that the girl in question was his girlfriend who cheated on him. And the bull is him because he was like abusing her or something after yeah. she cheated on him.
0: But And like so they take a lot of these real the like... The art is
1: gorgeous in that level.
0: I remember so like... It's just amazing that they take some of these real world like issues like say like spousal abuse domestic violence mm-hmm. things like that and they put it into as a psychosis like and you and you and you're trying to like at least even if you're not able to like try and go in there and fix their problems because that's like a lot what a lot of mental health professionals try to do is mm-hmm. you know fix problems or at least try to help people to cope with them you just try to. You're just trying to get through their mind sometimes to exactly. get.
1: Exactly. You're trying to get them to help you. You're not trying to make them better.
0: Yeah, and a lot of times, and it's it's just amazing to watch because a lot of times it's like, I, do I help this person? Or like, am I? What am I supposed to do? And you and you find out really quickly that you're never going to be able to help these people. A lot of them, <laughs> because if you can't help them, because this is who they are, essentially. Exactly. Yeah, and it's and it's a fun thing, but the the really interesting thing is about the about each of the psychosis and each of these people's minds. Is that each level is completely and utterly different than every other one.
1: Exactly, mm-hmm. it's and it's amazing. There are so many different experiences.
0: Like, do you remember the one? So um, the one that I remember, I remember it was I was uh, thinking about the other day was. Um, do you remember the actress when you go into the asylum? She has a, a level. Oh, yeah, I think was her name. I believe yeah. so. But she's obsessed with being in the spotlight. Yes. And whenever she's not in the spotlight. So you have, like, once you go into her mind. So it's weird. It's funny. When she's in the asylum, she's in a straitjacket. And she's literally standing in a, in a cone of light. And she will never leave it. She Like, mm-hmm. she doesn't leave. But when you go into her mind, she literally has a spotlight in her mind that you have to try to use to make it easier for you to get around and you have to move it and turn it and things like that. And I just thought that was an amazing kind of like just way to take a game mechanic and put it in with like her personality you know, trait. I
1: didn't catch that whenever I played it, but that is a really cool point.
0: Yeah, and then they do that with every single one of them mm-hmm. uh, to an extent. Like like you said with, uh, with, with the uh, first guy with a major... Um, not major uh, Oleander who's the who's the 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 the, the crazy army guy That's coach coach oleander coach Ole- oleander like whenever he starts off like he has you can literally get hit by a bomb and die almost instantly in there mm-hmm. and so he has a lot of those you know they, they put little characteristics like like that within each of the games to really kind of solidify like hey this is the type of personality you're dealing mm-hmm. with and these are the types of uh, you know obstacles you're gonna try. and some some of them are strictly just puzzles, puzzle yeah. lines, which I and some of them are a lot more combat oriented like coach Oleander's. Ole mm-hmm. but that's why I like about each one them it's, it's it's a unique level for each of them. yeah so. and
1: they in in between the levels, there's this big summer camp thing we've talked about yeah and there's the usual things like there's a scavenger hunt where there's liquid items to collect and you get rewards the figment, the
0: figments the the emotional baggage okay
1: yeah there, there's figments which are kind of like Mario coins and people- <laughs> <laughs> there's mental cobwebs and there's yes. emotional baggage like he said if you find the baggage tag in the baggage then yeah. you get the money. emotional
0: baggages are one of the favorite my favorite parts of that because you're just like it's a happy bag that's like i found my tag and it's like it's all happy
1: yeah and yeah. one you collect like reveals another like slideshow from the person's life yeah and get some insight into whatever their trauma like is. what is
0: their deal you know yeah that's kind of what i liked about that kind of stuff but
1: um oh and um what's that guy's name which one? Oh, the summer camp guy who has like all the jobs
0: I do not remember.
1: I'm so, not... it's agent something or another. Is he an actual agent? It's not nine, it's it's a cooler. Yeah, agent cooler exactly. So, that's one thing you discover as the game goes on is it starts out with the janitor person in the first section and then you find out this guy's also the cook and he also <laughs> owns, he also <laughs> runs the gift shop and he's also the groundskeeper and it's the same guy doing all these jobs. <laughs> And you find out his name is actually Agent Kruller, and he's the former boss of the Psychonauts. And his mind was, quote unquote, shattered in a psychic struggle. That's funny. And so now he has multiple personality disorder.
0: And so he just, like, switches personality. He's yeah. like, I'm the cook. I'm the, I'm the cook.
1: I'm the janitor. Until you meet him in his underground secret base, mm-hmm. where he's on top of, like, the Citanian mother load, And there he can be himself. And... Which is just bizarre. <laughs> and I'm just like, wow, okay it's just cookie. it's a lot of fun
0: that's why i love that and so like as you learn these characters you you kind of um you'll gain different abilities which is kind mm-hmm. of what you're saying with the platformer thing but you get they come back to you at you in the form of merit badges
1: yes you win merit badges every time they give you a new ability you get a merit
0: which badge rings player. a little true for like the scout the voice the voice for, scout in us Yeah, yeah you it's see. like
1: it felt good to get those merit badges. That's honestly. right, you did. I had a
0: sash; it was great. And um,
1: they put them on a sash and everything. I know. you're just like,
0: "Wow, this is like," it's kind of like in the new Fallout game. Um, you have the tadpole scout. Fallout 76. There's a tadpole scout. And I'm like, and there's like, you can have. There's. It's literally each bad merit badge you can get from them. To let you get like a like a, uh, an increase in skill, but you get it's like a, a an achievement. And a little part of me was like, I want to get all of these. I need them. But I was just like. Don't have the time, and I—it took every ounce of my being. Just like I don't need these merit badges. You still
1: remember the Boy Scouts, right? I mean, because you start out and they give you this big empty green sash, and you I go to feel like camp And you get five or six. You get like you know the easy ones, like you get canoeing and you get archery or whatever. And then you go to someone's Eagle Scout Court of Honor, and they have this magnificent full That's sash. That's right. I want all those badges.
0: Just the, the the little boy, and also the American in you, just is like, I need to collect them all a little bit. I need exactly. I need to show that I'm good at things, even though you know, like ninety percent of the crap that you learned about those merit badges, you're not going to remember. Eh,
1: I mean, yeah. And, am I wrong? It's just like you know, I, I learned my favorite tree when I did my forestry merit badge. <laughs>
0: what's your favorite tree james the
1: kentucky coffee bean tree of course because it has doubly compound leaves jesus christ
0: (laughs) (laughs) i'm glad now welcome to tree time with james and dave (laughs) yeah we're gonna rebrand it now
1: tree time people might be confused about the topic of the podcast i know right (laughs) <laughs> anyway, speaking which, if you're a redditor and you haven't looked at the trees subreddit and the not trees subreddit, it's hilarious. But
0: <laughs> I'm glad you brought it because I got on there last night talking about not being prepared for the show today. I was telling you earlier, I, I went down a deep hole until like Reddit, and it was there were some glorious, glorious just posts last yes, night because
1: the, the the trees Reddit is about pot and the the marijuana enthusiast yep. subreddit is about trees.
0: Yep. <laughs> that's that's why i love them
1: that's what the internet's about
0: (laughs) i know and like why is the world politics subreddit got like naked pictures and stuff on i'm like and also like warhammer memes and things like that i'm like this has nothing to do with world politics why are there warhammer memes and like hentai posts i'm like i i just want to learn about world politics i came here for world politics so it's to say i haven't been to world politics in a while that was like six months ago i just gave up on that what that on that reddit i'm just like i'm done i'm just done so, but so as you go through, I know we're getting super sidetracked today. Um, but as it's you the kind of game we're talking about, I know right it's not that, yes, that's not wrong at all. But as you kind of go through these levels and you gain these merit badges, you kind of learn there's a lot more going on in in, in the camp with uh, Doctor Lobato, Lobato, which Lobato, is the yeah. which is the the dentist guy trying to steal everybody's brains. And you you kind of learn that. Uh, you have to basically try... The whole point is you basically try to get in and, and uh, prevent him from stealing everybody's brains, but um, I can to remember how I eventually, once you go through the asylum,
1: where do you go from there? Well, and that's actually kind of where it ends. So you, you get to the top of the asylum. You confront Dr. Lobato. You find out that he's actually Coach Oleander. Yeah. And um, you, I think, knock him over, and... He falls into his own brain extractor machine. His brain gets stuck into a fishbowl. And then you get hit with a cloud of sneezing gas and sneeze your own brain out into the fishbowl as well. Mm-hmm. And then you engage in psychic combat with him.
0: That's right, you do. Because that's, <laughs> that's how things go.
1: And that's where you get to the meat circus level. That I, I totally about, forgot about that. Where it's you find out that Coach Oleander's mental trauma came from his dad who was a butcher and he was scared of killing of animals. And you find out that your own mental trauma is that your the circus dad is, is a circus. And your dad, who totally didn't have psychic powers, even though he did. <laughs> and so you fight to this unholy amalgam of a level where it's a combination of meat and circus. Yes. And you get to the very end, and you're confronted with Coach Oleander. And he has a mental avatar of your father. And they join together into this, this patriarchal monstrosity. Who exactly, yeah. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) that's why I love that you fight him for a bit. And eventually your own father shows up Mm -hmm. and uh, pulls together your shattered mind and helps you, helps you beat the bad guy.
0: Yeah. So, and like, and that's kind of a nice, a nice way to end it because even though Raz is mad at his dad the whole time and kind of resents him a little bit, his dad kind of like figures out, you know, comes to his aid and says, I'm sorry. I didn't tell you about all this. If this is what you want to do,
1: yeah, it turns out that the reason his dad tried to suppress Raz's powers is he didn't want him to be a government tool. Yeah. He had good reasons for what he wanted to do, and so it has a nice kind of wholesome wrap-up to it. James, there are no such things as government tools. No, of course not. <laughs> if you're listening, I totally believe that. No. It's just like,
0: uh, you know what, I'm the sharpest tool in the box. That's all that matters. Anyways, I'll be, I'll be quiet. Um... <laughs> But yeah, so you end with that note where like they basically end with it's like Raz is is he 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 gets ready to leave. Um,
1: they they declare him to be an official psychonaut. They yeah, say, you know what? For services rendered, you're you're a government agent now.
0: They give him the blessing, and they're like, yeah.
1: And then you find out that the the um, uh, the head of the psychonauts group, who actually happens to be Lily, the love interest's yep uh, father, Truman was Zen. Zan Zanato, yeah, Truman Zanato has been kidnapped, and like they take off, and apparently that's what the second game is going to pick up. But
0: which that'd be kind of cool. So they did there was a VR game, I think which which out. we'll talk about that here. In a minute. Yeah, so like that was kind of one of those things. It's like it's been so long since they came out with the other one. It was I don't know what kind of reception the second one will get because let's say they they announced in was it 2015. No, when was it? When was it? There was 2000 and uh 2000 and, Okay, so they announced the Psych- PsychoNauts 2, which was in 2015.
1: It was originally slated to come out in 2018,
0: and, and now they it's... They just pushed it
1: back to 2021.
0: Yeah, which is very comp which is very I understand, which but I don't know how that'll be because if they're going to release it for um I don't know if they're just going to release it for the uh, the Xbox uh, one,
1: is Xbox One
0: or Xbox Series X, the new consoles that are coming out or came out actually by now,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and the PC, or if they're going to release it for the PlayStation as well.
1: I'm not sure. I know that they promised that even though even though Microsoft bought them out, they're going to honor all the original deals from the Fig the Fig crowdfunding thing, which would be good. Um, which is good. I think that's the bare minimum they should do. Absolutely. <laughs> and I've watched some some trailers and stuff and hopefully it's going to have the same humor and kind of story that the first one did um I don't know, I'm, I'm very optimistic it's kind of become a cult classic of sorts over the oh years.
0: absolutely dude um i mean it's up there with the bad fur day it's just like with like exactly. just like the cult status because even though like not a lot of people like i remember talking to um one of the guys from work about it and he had no idea what I was talking about when I was... I was just like, I was just like, well, on top of that, he's very much a Sony, PlayStation kind of kid. Yeah. And so he may not have just never gotten into it all that much.
1: Like I said, it was kind of a niche thing when it came out. It was at the end of the life cycle for the console, and yeah. It happens, you know. It's like
0: I said, a lot of these games... that's like A lot of really fun games get overlooked. Like mm-hmm. um, That was really one I, ha- I, hadn't, I hadn't gotten into until I think... I don't know if I talked to you about it. It was called Child of Light. That's that's a it's a RPG heavy game. Um, it's 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 turn based RPG game. Okay, but it's it's I think Microsoft Studio released it. But it's very very gorgeous. But it, it was like you said, it's the same kind of cons same kind of um, story as Psychonauts was here too. It was very uh, critically well received. It just didn't sell a lot. Mm-hmm. But it started to whenever they started porting it to other things like the Switch and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, which is where I got it at the switch. It, it started to pick up quite a bit. I think that's a lot of people's problem is they don't saturate all these other consoles. Which mm-hmm. that's something I'm starting to notice with some of these newer uh, these newer consoles and the newer uh, games is they're not sticking to console exclusives as much anymore. Are there be like
1: timed exclusives? Like, I you know the PS Five, a lot of this yeah. stuff is like it's going to be exclusive for six months.
0: And I'm like, woohoo! I don't have, I don't have time to go out and buy it right now and play it for 60 hours immediately on my PlayStation. It on or- sale anyway, that's right because I'm a cheap bastard, <laughs> <laughs> and that's and that's how I save money. Um, and that's one of the problems about being married, guys. You got to make sacrifices, you just get, you wait for the Steam summer sale or the PlayStation summer hits or whatever it is. You know, it's yeah. you just do what you can to try to save a little money here and there because. I'm. I, I have a guy at work that literally will buy a game the day it comes out, almost every single time. And I'm like, how do you spend sixty dollars, like once, like he? I bet he spends almost 108 dollars every month on games. That's Crazy. I mean, for I,
1: three games. There's one or two games a year that I might buy. Yeah. On this Day. But like I, I, think I,
0: bought, I think I bought. Think I bought Civ. Civ 6 when it first came out. Well, that's that's your jam I mean. though. That is my je- dude. I've got seven hundred hours. I have a, an enormous amount of hours in that game, and I love it. And I don't, I will get into. We can talk about that a long later, but I don't know about the new update. Um, I might have some talks with you, Sid. Um, but it, it, you always have to kind of like get that balance of like what you want to buy. And luckily, with some of these games, like with Psychonauts coming back onto these other platforms and coming in and these humble bundles and things like that, you can pick it up at a reduced price mm-hmm. and you can enjoy it. Which is why I'm really hoping like whenever they do release the second one, I'm gonna wait a little bit, see how it comes out Because I know how you how I know I, you're pretty much the kind of the same mentality I am with games as, I might buy psychonauts to the day
1: it comes out. Because <laughs> Psychonauts be is ni- my jam. I'm sorry to ruin your you mu- page. You must be
0: nice. Is, must be nice. This is one of
1: them. This is one of them. <laughs> I, I, I need this game. James. I bet if uh, I asked
0: yeah. Kelly I asked Kelly if I asked Kelly if you absolutely knew this she'll have a different opinion. <laughs> I guarantee you. Just like my wife that <laughs> says the same thing. Do you... I need this game, Jackie. I need to buy Sid Meier's. Do you need to spend $50 on a game, David? Do you? I was just like... I do. I, I do need to buy it, though. And she's like, well, our kid needs to eat this week. He can eat tuna. It's okay. I'll just mush it up
1: and give it to him. I mean, uh... I know that this isn't, like, a thing, but this is, like, one of my type 3 games of all time. I, it's
0: okay. I know we've
1: kind of been going through, like, you know, the biggest hits from our childhood, so we've said that a lot, but I really mean it about Psychonauts. So, I would... I, I Mostly for the style, the artwork, the unique levels. This ticks all the boxes for me. I love this game so and much.
0: And I totally understand that. makes sense. I'm the same way with with, uh, with some of the Batman games. Like, when yeah. I, played, I played, played Batman Arkham Asylum, dude, and I, dude, I bought every single one of those games except for um arkham i think it was arkham knight it was the only one i didn't buy the day of because i just kind of heard a few things about it and just wasn't taking my ticking the right boxes like as you said earlier and that's the same way i am dude I, I, I bought every single one of them the day of and i've actually rebought it several times like the remastered <laughs> versions and the new knights and all that stuff. it's 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 good stuff but yeah that's what you have to you really have to hook on to and especially if it's something you love who cares if you got the money to blow for it enjoy it's what i say mm-hmm. so but but yeah we'll uh so kind of wrapping up a little bit i know we've talked extensively about the game um just real briefly you know uh i know you've, you've said you loved it because it's a 3d platformer in there any reasons like you really just really really dug this game
1: it's mostly the humor the storytelling of it the environments yeah the cool mental world all the things we've talked about it just oh works my god yeah and then setting it into a kooky summer camp atmosphere at a time in my life when i was really going to summer camp with the boy scouts oh it god, just yeah. worked
0: and it clicked like you said it really kind of hit a niche or a... i think
1: for people our age everyone had that kind of all american boy scout summer camp experience at least once and or at so, least
0: guys in our group i know that yeah,
1: yeah. So,
0: or even if, or even if you're just like Jackie and you did the Girl Scout camp once and were like, "This is stupid," and never went back. <laughs> She's like, "I want to ride horses," and they put them on like a tether and walked them around in a circle. She's like, "This is BS. I want to ride my horses." Yeah,
1: the Girl Scouts kind of got jipped when it came to scouting organization. I felt so, bad so. for probably I mean, popular sentiment, but
0: uh... I it's okay. And I felt really bad for her when she was telling me about it because I was just like, "That's not a summer camp. That's like a day camp." I was like, "That's not. You're not sleeping outside, getting sunburned, <laughs> second degree thoughts." sunburns and having people I bring will say
1: my sister had a better experience than jackie did though oh yeah because my dad and the fowls and all them oh yeah made sure it happened like oh. i i was a lifeguard for several of their float trips mm-hmm. I went with them when they uh, got someone's gun collection and went out to the shooting range. they got to learn these they things. Had, they stretched the limits of what the Girl Scout insurance would allow them to do <laughs> on a regular basis. I'm so proud of them because that's had, what they, they should do. They had a good experience, but that was in spite of the Girl Scout program and not because of it. Well, it's like I said, I
0: don't know how you feel about it, but I feel like they should be able to learn the same kind of things that these guys are learning as, as yeah. us as boys. Because these are I, I feel like it's essential to at least know about these things, even though you may not like them well, or enjoy the them. I, the
1: way I see it, it's similar to what the scouting did. So mm-hmm. if you're familiar with the history of Boy Scouts, there was kind of that 50s, 60s period where the mm-hmm. Boy Scouts kind of tried to turn over a new leaf and they tried to start like an urban program where, well, yeah. kids don't really need all these camping and knots and stuff, and we're going to focus on practical life skills for them. And the organization nearly died. And I think it's the same thing the Girl Scouts is kind of going through the last 20 years. Yeah. Kind of growing pains. And trying to make it relevant, they've kind of moved away from the stuff that made it popular. Yeah, and so at the heart of Boy Scouts, it's like a child leadership program. You're, yeah. you're letting kids go out and be independent, and the outdoor activity is kind of hmm. the bait for the hook.
0: Sounds uh sounds awfully familiar to a game we've been playing. Like it's, it's children are learning to become independent a yeah, little bit, exactly. You know, and and they're learning to they're learning viable life skills. Like I said,
1: the choice of theme was very apt. Exactly, <laughs> there's a lot of on the nose humor. There. <laughs>
0: That's why I love it. So, but anyways, guys, so that's, that's kind of our, our rundown of Psychonauts. Um, again, I want to say thanks for James to, for, he did a lot of legwork on this guys. I'm going to give him a hands up for that. Cause I've been swamped at work and also lazy about trying to get some of these things done. And luckily he's picked up a little bit of this like, but we're going to have a couple other, uh, episodes hopefully coming to you in the near future. Uh, we're recording, like I said, we're recording this one in, uh, early or no, sorry, mid November. It'll be coming out mid December. Um, but, like I said, hopefully by the time you guys are all gearing up for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, we will probably take a break around Christmas time um, if we don't get a uh, a episode kicked out before then or recorded before then. But if we do, maybe you guys have something to do to while you listen to uh, the chestnuts roasting on uh, open fire. Mm-hmm. Um, Jack Frost nipping at your nose. I'm just going to go down <laughs> the line here. Um uh but we
1: could find a christmas video game
0: oh absolutely we could i had
1: to think a little bit to think of a good one but
0: we don't even have to find a good one we can find a bad one we'll find a bad one for you you know what that's a that's a that's a challenge guys we're gonna find you a bad christmas video game you know
1: kingdom hearts had a nightmare before christmas level we could do kingdom hearts first oh my god
0: (laughs) (laughs) i'm actually trying to play through kingdom hearts um rechained memories actually oh gosh it's 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 a whole other thing so anyways um but guys i just want to say thanks before we get on another tangent uh thanks for stopping by if you guys have any uh suggestions about us trying to improve the podcast get hit us up on social media or seriously pointless convo at gmail.com um like i said we're on instagram facebook i believe i have a twitter somewhere i don't look at it very often but Facebook or Instagram is probably the best way to contact me, (laughs) honestly, at this point. Um, But like I said, um, I just want to say everybody thanks for stopping by. And if you enjoyed this episode, rate and review us and let us know. All right, guys. I'm going to get out of here. James, thanks for coming by. Thank you. All right, guys. Have a wonderful day. Bye. If you're interested in keeping up to date with new episodes on our channel, add us on any of your favorite podcasting apps or subscribe to our YouTube channel at Seriously Pointless Conversations. If you have questions or concerns, please email us at seriouslypointlessconvo at gmail.com. We appreciate any feedback. Thank you for listening to
1: our show.